Chapter twenty four of Adeline Mowbray by Amelia Alderson Opie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pam Moscato. Chapter twenty four. But to return to Colonel Mordaunt, though Adeline had said that he must discontinue his visits, he resolved to disobey her, and the next morning, as soon as he thought she had breakfasted, he repaired to her lodgings, where he heard with mixed sorrow and indignation that she had set off in a post-chaise at six o'clock and was gone no one knew whither but surely she has left some note or message for me exclaimed colonel mordaunt neither the one nor the other was his answer and he returned home in no very enviable state of mind various indeed and contradictory were his feelings yet still affection was uppermost and he could not but respect in adeline the conduct which drove him to despair nor was self-love backward to suggest to him that had not adeline felt his presence and attentions to be dangerous she would not so suddenly have withdrawn from them and this idea was the only one on which he could at all bear to dwell for when he reflected that day after day might pass without his either seeing or hearing from her existence seemed to become suddenly a burthen and he wandered from place to place with joyless and unceasing restlessness at one time he resolved to pursue her but the next piqued at not having received from her even a note of farewell he determined to endeavor to forget her and this was certainly the wiser plan of the two but the succeeding moment he determined to let a week pass in hopes of receiving a letter from her and in case he did not to set off in search of her being assured of succeeding in his search because the singularity of savannah's appearance and the traces of the smallpox visible in the face of adeline made them liable to be observed and easy for him to describe but before the week elapsed from agitation of mind and from having exposed himself unnecessarily to cold by lying on damp grass at midnight after having heated himself by immoderate walking colonel mordaunt became ill of a fever and when after a confinement of several weeks he was restored to health he despaired of being able to learn tidings of the fugitives and disappointed and dejected he sought in the gayest scenes of the metropolis and its environs to drown the remembrances from which in solitude he had vainly endeavored to fly at this time a faded but attractive woman of quality with whom he had formerly been intimate returned from abroad and meeting colonel mordaunt at the house of a mutual friend endeavored to revive him in his former attachment but it was a difficult task for a woman who though capable of charming the senses had never been able to touch the heart to excite an attachment in a man already sentimentally devoted to another her advances however flattered colonel mordaunt and her society amused him till at length her intimacy was renewed on his former footing but soon disgusted with an intercourse in which the heart had no share tired of his mistress and displeased with himself he took an abrupt leave of her and throwing himself into his post-chaise retired to the seat of a relation in herefordshire near this gentleman's house lived mr maynard and his two sisters who had taken up their abode there immediately on their return from portugal major douglas his wife and emma douglas were there on a visit to them mordaunt had known major douglas in early life and as soon as he found that he was in the neighborhood he rode over to renew his acquaintance with him and received so cordial a welcome not only from the major but the master of the house and his sisters that he was strongly induced to repeat his visits and not a day passed in which he was not during some part of it a guest at mr maynard's mrs wallington and miss maynard indeed received him with such pointed marks of distinction and preference as to make it visible to every observer 
that it was not as a friend only they were desirous of considering colonel mordaunt while by spiteful looks and acrimonious remarks directed to each other the sisters expressed the jealousy which rankled in their hearts whenever he seemed by design or inadvertency to make one of them a particular object of his attention of emma douglas's chance for his favor they were not at all fearful they thought her too plain and too unattractive to be capable of rivalling them especially in the favor of an officer a man of fashion and therefore they beheld without emotion the attention which colonel mordaunt paid to her whenever she spoke and the deference which he evidently felt for her opinion as her remarks on whatever subject she conversed were formed always to interest and often to instruct one evening while major douglas was amusing himself in looking over some magazines which had lately been bound up together and had not yet been deposited in mr maynard's library he suddenly started laid down the book and turning to the window with an exclamation a poor fellow passed his hand across his eyes as if meaning to disperse an involuntary tear what makes you exclaim poor fellow asked his lovely wife have you met with an affecting story in those magazines no louisa replied he but i met in the obituary with a confirmation of the death of an old friend which i suspected must have happened by this time though i never knew it before i see by this magazine that poor glen murray died a few months after we saw him at perpignan poor fellow exclaimed mrs douglas i wish i knew what has become of his interesting companion miss mowbray said emma douglas i wish i did too secretly sighed colonel mordaunt but his heart palpitated so violently at this unexpected mention of the woman for whom he still pined in secret that he had not resolution to say that he knew her become of her cried miss maynard sneeringly you need not wonder i think what her fate is no doubt mr glenmurray's interesting companion has not lost her companionable qualities and is a companion still yes observed mrs wallington or rather i dare to say that angel of purity is gone upon the town it was the dark hour else colonel mordaunt's agitation on hearing these gross and unjust remarks must have betrayed his secret to every eye while indignation now impeded his utterance as much as confusion had done before surely surely cried the kind and candid emma douglas i must grossly have mistaken miss mowbray's character if she was capable of the conduct which you attribute to her my dear creature replied mrs wallington how should you know anything of her character when it was gone long before you knew her character indeed you remind me of my brother mr davenport continued she to a gentleman present did you ever hear the story of my brother and an angel of purity with whom he met abroad no never be quiet said maynard i will not be laughed at however mrs wallington and miss maynard who had not yet forgiven the deep impression which adeline's graces had made on their brother insisted on telling the story to which colonel mordaunt listened with eager and anxious curiosity it received all the embellishments which female malice could not give it and if it amused any one certainly that person was neither mordaunt nor emma douglas nor her gentle sister but how fortunate it was added miss maynard that we were not with my brother as we should have unavoidably have walked and talked with this angel mordaunt longed to say i think the good fortune was all on miss mowbray's side but adeline and her cause were in good hands emma douglas stood forth as her champion we feel very differently on that subject she replied i shall ever regret not that i saw and conversed with miss mowbray 
but that i did not see and converse with her again and again at this moment emma was standing by colonel mordaunt who involuntarily caught her hand and pressed it eagerly but tried to disguise his motive by suddenly seating her in a chair behind her saying you had better sit down i am sure you must be tired with standing so long no really emma cried major douglas you go too far there though to be sure if by seeing and conversing with miss mowbray you could have convinced her of her errors i should not have objected to your seeing her once more or so surely said mrs douglas timidly we ought my love to have repeated our visits till we had made a convert of her a convert of her exclaimed mr maynard's sisters a convert of a kept mistress bursting into a violent laugh which had a most painful effect on the irritable nerves of colonel mordaunt whose tongue parched with emotion cleaved to the roof of his mouth whenever he attempted to speak pray to what other circumstances yet untold do you allude said mr davenport oh we too had a rencontre with the philosopher and his charming friend said major douglas and but emma do tell the story sdeath poor fellow but we parted good friends added the kind-hearted calendonian dispersing a tear while emma in simple but impressive language related all that passed at perpignan between themselves adeline and glenmurray and concluded with saying that from the almost idolatrous respect with which glenmurray spoke and apparently thought of adeline and from the account of her conduct and its motives which he so fully detailed she was convinced that so far from being influenced by depravity in connecting herself with glenmurray adeline was the victim of a romantic absurd and false conception of virtue and she should have thought it her duty to have endeavored assisted by her sister to have prevailed on her to renounce her opinions and by becoming the wife of glenmurray to restore to the society of her own sex a woman formed to be its ornament and its example poor thing she added in a faltering voice would that i knew her fate i can guess it i tell you said mrs wallington we had better drop the subject madam replied emma douglas indignantly as it is one that we shall never agree upon if i suppose miss mowbray happy i should feel for her and feel interest sufficient in her fate to make me combat your prejudices concerning her but now that she is perhaps afflicted poor friendless and scorned though unjustly by every virtuous she that knows her story i cannot command my feelings when she is named with sarcastic disrespect nor can i bear to hear an unhappy woman supposed to be plunged in the lowest depths of vice whom i on the contrary believe to be at this moment atoning for the error of her judgment by a life of lonely penitence or sunk perhaps already in the grave the victim of a broken heart colonel mordaunt affected and delighted hung on emma douglas's words with breathless attention resolving when she had ended her narration to begin with his and clear adeline from the calumnies of mrs wallington and miss maynard but after articulating with some difficulty ladies i miss douglas i he found that his feelings would not allow him to proceed therefore suddenly raising emma's hand to his lips he imprinted on it a kiss at once fervent and respectful and making a hasty bow ran out of the house every one was astonished but none so much as emma douglas why emma cried the mayor who should have thought it i verily believe you have turned mordaunt's head i protest that he kissed your hand 
I suppose that he will be here tomorrow, making proposals in form." " I wish he may !" exclaimed Mrs Douglas. " It is not very likely, I think," cried Miss May nard. Mrs Wallington said nothing, but she fanned herself violently. " How do you know that ?" said Maynard ;" he kissed your hand very tenderly, did he not, Miss Douglas ? and took advantage of the dark hour — that looks very lover like." Emma Douglas, who, in spite of her reason, was both embarrassed and flattered by Colonel Mordaunt's unexpected mode of taking leave, said not a word ; but Mrs Wallington, in a voice hoarse with angry emotion, cried, " It is very free in him, I think, and very unlike Colonel Mordaunt, for he was not a sort of man to take liberties but where he met with encouragement." " Then I am sure he will be free with you, sister, sometimes," sarcastically observed Miss Maynard. " Nay, with both of you, I think," replied Maynard, who had not forgiven the laugh at his expense which they had tried to excite, on which an angry dialogue took place between the brother and sisters, and the Douglases, disgusted and provoked, retired to their apartment. " There was something very strange and uncommon," said Mrs Douglas, detaining Emma in her dressing room, " in Colonel Mordaunt's behavior. Do you not think so, Emma ? If it should have any meaning "" Meaning !" cried the mirror. " What meaning should it have ?"" Why, my dear, do you think Mordaunt never kissed a woman's hand before ?"" But it was so particular." " Well, Emma, if it should lead to consequences —"" Consequences !" cried the mayor. " My dear girl, what can you mean ? Why, if he should really love our Emma — why, then I hope our Emma will love him. What say you, Emma ?"" I say I — she replied, " really I never thought it possible that Colonel Mordaunt should have any thoughts of me, nor do I now. But it is very strange that he should kiss my hand." The colonel could not help laughing at the naivety of this reply, and in a mutual whisper they agreed how much they wished to see their sister so happily disposed of, while Emma paced up and down her own apartment some time before she undressed herself, and after seeming to convince herself by recollecting that Colonel Mordaunt's conduct towards her, that he could not possibly mean any thing by his unusual adieu, she went to sleep, exclaiming, but it is very strange that he should kiss my hand. End of chapter twenty four. Recording by Pam Moscato.